Welcome to the podcast, A Life Well Lived, with me, Constance Knox. Mine is a life well lived. Can't you see the seven story line? If you have been listening to all our episodes, you will know the previous four have been one-to-one interviews telling extraordinary stories of third ages, including a Holocaust survivor, a couple exonerated from death row, a news anchor from Radio Caroline, and 1952 Olympic medal winner. At 27 years old, I created this podcast in the hope that I and others could learn from a lifetime of knowledge and trigger cross-generational discussions that could perhaps encourage my age group and younger to talk more to the so-called old people around us. So with that, I want to apologise to Liz and Max, our guests in this episode, for calling them old. In a change from our usual format, I went to Dulwich to meet the two of them to have a frank cross-generational discussion where I asked them about things like friendship, getting older, love and our generational differences. A Life Well Live podcast is supported by the leading charity, the U3A. The U3A is a UK-wide movement bringing people in their old age together to develop their interests and continue their learning. It has over 400,000 members. We'd like to say a big thank you to our leading sponsor, Cox and Kings. Without their funding, this podcast wouldn't have been possible. And if anyone would like to book an adventure, Cox and Kings are specialists in award-winning small group tours and luxury tailor-made itineraries to the world's most captivating destinations. Liz and Max, who are both U3A members and have only just met, kindly volunteered to speak to me on a sunny afternoon in Liz's garden. Liz has been a teacher throughout her career, retiring seven years ago from a London University teacher training post. Liz is the founding chair and trustee of Dulwich and District U3A. Max came over from Sri Lanka in 1975 at the age of 22. He trained and worked as a nurse for 35 years in our NHS. He retired in 2010 and now likes to take part in Sutton's U3A, where he attends the Beginners Bridge Group, Art Group, London Explorers Group and International Food Group. Well, we're sitting here today in the lovely garden that belongs to Liz, um, and I've got Max on my left and Liz straight in front of me, um, and the water uh, is going, it's her pond in our background. Thank you, Liz and Max, for joining me today. It's boiling hot, it's one of the hottest days of the year, but we're luckily we're sitting in the shade, surrounded by lovely apples that have fallen (laughs) off a tree. Um, so we couldn't be in a better location. I just wanted to begin our conversation about careers. So, sort of, what stage, Liz, are you at now of your career? What what phase would you say you're at? So I've now retired five years ago, and you see yourself very much um, as your career. You know, you see yourself as a as a teacher, as a teacher trainer. So when it stops, there's quite a lot of re-evaluating yourself. Mm, I can imagine. So, so how do you kind of do that? What what made you think, OK, I'm going to stop now. How did you come to that decision? Well, age is a, a barrier to some extent. I mean, and, you know, you're invited to... I was invited to be made redundant at, at 65. And to some extent, once you've been working the same routine for some time, you know, you kind of want a change of pace. But you then begin to look around and think, well, what's it all about? You know, the, I... I've got another 20 years, you know, what do I do now? What do people end up doing? What do they end up taking? I presume they take on hobbies. I know some, isn't, doesn't golf become quite a big thing sometimes? For... I think that's all rather suggests that, it, that it's just about filling in the hours. I mean, I think most people 
want to be a bit more purposeful than that. And a lot of people I know take on a lot of volunteering, take on quite um, a lot of responsibility by becoming, I'm a trustee of two of U3A and another charity. Uh, some people take quite a lot of pol political involvement, you know, by really um, campaigning quite hard for particular issues. I think you want to make the, the world a better place. And do you um, think you had that when you were younger? I think when you're younger, there's so many pressures on... You know, are you going to get a good job? Are you going to get a job that you enjoy, that you find stimulating? It's a very competitive world. You apply for jobs, you don't get them. You know, it, it, you, you fall into something that actually works for you, uh, hopefully. And uh, my three sons, you know, found that they have quite stimulating jobs. But, you know, it's not for want of, you know, working quite hard at it. And so you're, inevitably your concern is much more for yourself and for your family, having young children, the house market is a particular hurdle, you know, getting getting themselves settled so that they're happy where they live and can then thrive. So you're saying once all the kind of big worries are sort of set aside, then you can start really thinking about the other bits of what you want to achieve. Yes, I think I think people become more reflective perhaps when they get older. We have a, a big group at um, the UTRA that writes their memoirs, you know, they, they sort of, or, or writes another book, you know, does some research. You know, people sort of, you know, can set back a bit and, and think about what they're interested in. Um, you know, they do, they pursue interests like, like art, like Max was telling me, um, and, and that sort of thing. And Max, what about you? Because you were a nurse uh, for 35 years, is that right? Yeah. Um, again, I came from, uh, from Sri Lanka at the age of 22. Because Liz was talking about that kind of need to want to help people or, uh, or give back. And, I mean, Liz, being a teacher, you're, you were doing that in your career anyway. Um, but, Max, you've definitely been doing that nursing for your... Is that something you've always wanted? Well, yeah, I think um, both my parents were teachers... I think it must be runs in the blood that you want to do a little bit to make someone else's life that bit more comfortable or better, if you can, you know. So I'm glad my children are following the same path as well. My son, he uh, did a teacher training and uh, unfortunately he's not he in this country. He has gone to China to teach. <laughs> and so hopefully they, he will come back <laughs> and do the continuous uh, teaching here. And my daughter, is, she's only last three days, she was involved in Hague in the statelessness conference. So I feel it's, it's runs in the genes, I suppose, you know, to help other people where we can. I mean, we've touched a bit on mental health, um, and I imagine there's quite a lot of... Um, so I'm particularly interested in this because I'm training to be a therapist, and um, so it's a huge part of my life at the moment and a career path that I'm going down. So I am interested in that whole sense of finding what you want to do and going with it. I'll start with you, Liz, actually. How, with mental health, have you found that the changes have been through, the, through seeing sort of young people go through the educational system? Have you seen a big difference in mental health today with young people and mental health? There's a lot more pressure, I think, on young people now. But just following on from the career um, thing and mental health, I mean, I, I don't think we do... I don't think we retire people well. I think there's certain times in one's career where you need support like at the beginning of a challenging job like teaching and, and nursing. And you, we do build in quite a lot of support or becoming a psychotherapist. You get trained, you get support. But I don't think necessarily you get support at the times you need it throughout your career. You know, other times are when you have personal 
um, challenges with, with your families and, and such, possibly through children, you know, being very needy or, or you know, a, a, a parent being very needy. You know, there are times when employers really need to listen to employees. And as a manager, um, you know, I was, I, was, I was aware, but I was also aware that there were quite a lot of constraints I mean, I, I had to always make sure there was a teacher in front of a class and I couldn't be too sympathetic if somebody didn't phoned in and, you know, said, well, I'm sorry, you can't come today. Um, you know, you had to, you, you, you had, you know, certain rules and, and code of conduct and all that sort of thing. Are you saying people should be looked after more when they, when they get to retirement age? There should be a system in place like people are looked after throughout their lives. There should be something more focused Now on. that we're expecting people to work for longer... If people are going to be working on to their 70s and not all these jobs that we are doing are easy for people to work. Teaching, nursing, these jobs are all, you know, standing on your feet and um, quite physically demanding. And therefore we've got to find a... We've got really not much more creatively, like we have with mothers and job shares and, and that sort of thing at that time of careers. We really need to look at people's lives at the end of their careers and not assume that they will go on working full-time until they're 70 and then suddenly, um, 69 is it, 68, 69, 68, 70, 68 at the moment and, um, you know, and it's likely to be sort of onto 70. I mean, a lot of us are physically fit and well and it, some people are happy to work until their 70s but not necessarily at the same job that they were doing when they were 30. Mm, definitely we're very obsessed I would say about especially being 27 now a lot of my girlfriends are sort of sort of thinking about marriage thinking about like you know what they're going to do next what career paths we're going to go down do we then get a house do we then get married do we then what do we do after that do we then have children was that sort of a huge part of your life and was that important to you and what does reflecting what does that what what do you kind of think about all those life goals now well it was a type of standard expectation isn't it especially in asian countries when they and girl reach the age of 25 uh, they say they had they you know they look for proposed managers arranged marriages and they're actively looking for partners and so that they will have the children when they are that young age and uh, then you know after 30 34 35 they think you know it might be a bit too older to get get married that's okay. interesting because i think in the west we have given ourselves a little bit more time mm. i mean i was going to say you feel pressure at 27 wait till mm. you're 37 um you know i think uh, we accept that people will reach different milestones at different times up to that age but the biological clock for women if you do want to have children uh, you you run up against and I mean, for me you know my best friend had a baby and I thought well really why haven't I, you know why haven't I got round to it yet and um, and the men will always put it off so you know the men it feels has they have more time don't they because well, yeah. the biological clock uh, I suppose yeah but uh, my son told me that uh, we got married uh, well I got married very late you know because most of his friends uh, uh, their parents married young and they have a much more close relationship I don't know but maybe over the period of time he might have changed his mind because he's 31 he's still not married so <laughs> <laughs> so he might be changing his tune now but uh, I mean I, I didn't get married until I was 34. Okay. Uh, so how, how old was your wife? Uh, she was 26 I think. And what about you Liz? What age did I you was get? 30, uh, got married after I had two children so I was about 35 or something. Um, you know, marriage is not a big, um, wasn't never that big a deal. Having children was, and um, 
it's uh, but I, th- I think uh, I, d- I think you, you you're totally besotted with your children whatever age you are so I mean I don't think it matters whether you're young or old having children except for the physical. Sorry, but I think it built up a different relationship. I think a relationship in the sense that father and son going for the sporting events together or some certain things doing together. I don't know whether it will make a big difference. I have seen my son's parents going for the stag stag do oh, and really? things like that you know they went to vegas for uh, some stag do but i don't think i will go to vegas oh. see like in <laughs> my son is getting married i don't think i'll be i don't think i'll be able to keep up with them man. <laughs> well my parents are in their late 60s so they had me when they were 39 38 and 39 so i know what it's like having older parents and and it's Old. I said the word. I hope they're not going to listen to this, but anyway, they probably will. But they uh, and it's been lo- it's lovely. But I I can understand where you're coming from, Max. With lots of my friends have younger parents, and them going into their late sixties now. I see my friends' parents who are younger, and I have this kind of I think it's that longing of wish they were sort of ten years younger so that they could. I know it sounds awful, but live longer. I don't know whether it's training to be a therapist, so you, you come across sort of big life topics like death, and this is something we were going to talk about today, but how my opinion on death is one I'm struggling with. I'm, my grandmother died in the Easter and that was a math, that was a realization that life is a cycle and you are all, you are all going to die. Um, cheery. And um, for me that was a really hard subject to get my head around and I was wondering did you find that difficult at my age or had you been thinking about it? Or does it get easier? I, um, my mum was my best friend so I found it very hard when she died. And I knew she was going to die for two, three years before she died. She had cancer. Um, and I thought I dealt with it. And of course, when she died, I just went to pieces completely, even though I had three teenage children to look after still at that stage. Um, so, yes. And, and then I looked after my father for you know, 10, 15 years after that. I mean, I, I, it, is a, it, it, it is difficult. And, and Compare it with the beginning of life, and I just had my nine-month-old granddaughter round here today, you know, which is so joyous. You know, the beginning of life is so joyous. Mm. It's such a celebration. And death is a much more challenging time. People usually take quite a long time to die, often, you know, knowing that they're going to die. So perhaps we shouldn't be overly concerned, you know, that it's all going to hurt us. Most people fade really and I think I saw when I saw my mother and others you know they get tired and people fade slowly so it's not a dramatic thing but is it something you fear Uh, I think uh, my experience uh, with death is uh, somewhat different because when we were growing up uh, if uh, anybody any close relative or friends passed usually they have the body in the front room so you go Gosh. and go around and visit the body and sit down so i mean seeing a dead body in your hallway or something yeah. i can't even imagine in britain i can't imagine anyone someone walking to your house and seeing your dead grandmother it would give everyone yeah. a bit of a shock here yeah well that's where the different cultures you know how we grow but uh, i think for most of us we accept an end to life you know, you can't go on forever. It get older. I think it's very hard. My one of my friends, son's friends, died recently. So a thirty-year-old, you know, for whom we, 
you know, extremely sorry. And that was a shock for everybody. And how do you feel um, as you get older, inevitably there are going to be more losses. Um, how do you deal with the loss that, that comes up when you get older? And the loneliness. I mean, I think that, you know, hearing certainly from my parents' generation how they, their, their friends died and, you know, inevitably my father was left as sort of the only one at the age of, of 90. So I think it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an accommodation to loneliness. And I know a lot of people in the U3A um, that we meet, a lot of women who come as, um, you know, once they've lost their partner... And, and men, um, and, and that's particularly why some a lot of people do join the U3A, and they do find that the need to go out and actually start again, recreate a life for themselves as a single person. So, um, actually, my a friend of mine just got engaged, and she's 27. And in my head, I thought, when am I ever going to be old enough to be a married, like a wife? Like that seems like such a huge life step. Um, and then I've spoken to my, my grandmother, for example, she said, I don't feel old. She was in her 90s and she said she never felt old and she never was old um, mentally. And um, so when do you feel that? When do you feel that age? Well, quite often people say age is another number. It's if you feel how you feel and what you can do. You feel some aches and pains, but, uh, you know, it's just another number and work from that. That's the way I feel. So what age do you feel now? I don't put a number to it. <laughs> Why should you? You know, depends how... Fair enough. You know, yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, I know that I worry about the smallest things. I worry about whether I'm not going to see my friends and that means that I might lose friends. Or You know, you have these kind of little worries that go around your head now and again. And do these worries begin to subside as you get older? And what, looking back, what would you tell yourself if you were sort of 20, my age, 27, 26, and you're just worrying about these small, slightly irrelevant things? I think worrying is much more about your psychology than it is about circumstances. I mean, you, you, you know, you've heard stories of the most inc incredible people who have a positive uh, w way of life, and worrying, I'm afraid, is about your, yourself. It's about how you treat things. My mother always used to say, I can cope with the big things like a mastectomy and having cancer and stuff. I found it very difficult to cope with the little things like an argument or, or, or something. You know, I mean, no, it never gets easier. I don't think worrying goes away. I don't think you stop worrying about the little things. Gosh, great. Yeah. We all have... Oh, it got easier. No, we all have our things that become harder or easier for us. And we have to work at them. We have to work at, you know, how we cope with them. But I, I feel, you know, quite often, uh, I consider myself how lucky I am. I was able to do so many things, meet so many people and have a good quality of life. Can I just ask, because a lot of what this podcast is about is getting younger generations and older generations to start communicating more. Um, how do you feel about us younger generations? Do you feel that we give you to the time of day? Do you feel that we want to communicate with, I mean... I don't think you're old. You're the same. You look about the same age as my parents. So, um, but d how do you feel about us as a generation? It's where you, wherever you interact. You know, I say I might be seeing people either in the library or in public places. You know, so I feel uh, 
you know, I, ca I can't see anything wrong how they're interacting. I don't see, except, you know, when I want to ask my daughter something to do with my computer or my phone something, then she might get a little bit irritated when I should know that <laughs> by now, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what about you, Liz? No, I think there's a level of ageism. I don't, I think it's very easy for women of a certain age to be invisible, for us not to be valued, for people not to listen, basically. I think what I would say to your generation is, I know listening is the hardest thing, and a lot of old people are not good listeners either, and they begin to have hearing difficulties, which makes it even harder for, you know, they don't pick up quick quips and that sort of thing. So, you know, the communication gets to be, be harder, but young people... You can't generalise. Well, go on, just do it. <laughs> We've been generalising. I've called you old. You can generalise. No, I don't think we are old, and I think I don't think we're any different. And you know, just because we look like your parents, we might not be like your parents, which is a you know sort of a because we might have led our life quite differently and have different values from your your parents without having met them. Um, but um, so sort of put us into that box. You know, I you know you've got to sort of continue tend to have an open mind really and I would value more opportunities to get together I mean I know on, on local political forums young and old get together because they have a passion for you know the same outcome Have you got a bit of advice that you would say Be optimistic young people are always optimistic and you know they, they you always say you know you can be whatever you want to be and it's not necessarily true because you come from a particular environment and there's particular sort of options on the table and, um, you know, you have particular opportunities. But take any opportunities you're given because there's so much adventure. Um, you know, there's so many, you can, you can make your adventures. You can make your adventures small or big and you don't have the money necessarily to do them, although I do appreciate that it helps. Mm. But, you know, it, it be, be, be demanding of life. I, th I think that's yeah, an energetic. Well, I would also say for, care for people around you and the environment, you know, because the environment is changing so much. We were so lucky, uh, you know, uh, when we were growing up, we had we could travel and uh, do whatever we want. But now, you know, how the weather is changing and the climate is changing, you know, how how long to go on? So care. I think care for people is very important. Thank you to Liz for hosting us. If you have enjoyed this final episode, then please do get in touch via our website, www.alifewelllived-podcast.com. Sadly, we have come to the end of Series 1. If you'd like to hear more incredible stories and cross-generational discussions, then please do support us by rating us on Spotify or iTunes. The more we are heard, the higher chance of a Series 2. This podcast was in association with the U3A with sponsorship from Cox and Kings. The presenter was me, Constance Knox, and the producer was Mariana Deforge. Our guests were Liz and Max.